Coming to you live from Plug Hit Studios in beautiful Largo, Florida, we are keeping you plugged in with episode 458 of F5 Live Refreshing Technology, a proud part of the Tech Podcast Network. This week, California wants special behavior from Uber, gamers want additional gameplay from Nintendo, and Facebook begrudgingly creates special processing for websites. I'm Scott. Oh. I'm Avram. There we go. <laughs> and we are here. And wherever you are and however you're accessing our show, whether it be Facebook, iTunes, the podcast play app, and the Windows Store, um, our homes on Livestream or Stitcher, or of course on our apps, pluckitslive.com slash apps. We thank you for making us part of your day. Um, this here is, like I said, F5 Live Refreshing Technology. This is the flagship show on the Pluckets Live family of content. We are normally live Sunday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern at f5live.tv slash join us. Obviously, tonight has been a slightly different scenario, but that is okay, because if you are joining us live right now, you can still chat with us in the studio, live in the chat room. Uh, you can comment on the topics as we're talking about them and uh, participate in the show. We always appreciate the feedback uh, from our viewers during the show. If you're not able to join us live, that is okay, because you can subscribe to this and all of our other shows by going to f5live.tv and clicking the subscribe buttons that are currently on the right-hand side. Though, depending on when you watch this video, they may no longer be there. That is okay. Um, on the main menu, there is a subscribe button as well. You can get to them from there. Uh, you can see this show, The Pilch Point with Avram Pilch, which will be on in a little bit. We'll be talking about CES. Um, you can subscribe to the new product, Launchpad, which um, features some Kickstarter and Indiegogo-type projects that you may have not heard about, but we find to be noteworthy. Uh, and our special events feed, which is about to be insane, because like we said, CES is very soon. Uh, we'll be talking about CES in a little bit, uh, but it is part of the reason why we will not be on for the next two weeks in our normal time. So let's talk about that real quick. Um, this right now, if you're watching us live, is the last live episode of 2016. That is because... That's because I just punched my microphone. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> that's just a bonus, I think. No, that is because next Sunday is Christmas Day, and the Sunday after that is New Year's Day. So... Um, obviously we will, uh, not be on next week. Theoretically, New Year's Day, we could have been on if it weren't for the fact that most of this studio will not be in this room. It will be in boxes on its way to Las Vegas because the next day, uh, I think both of us are heading to Las Vegas because you're going on Monday, right? Yes. As am I. Um, and I believe my entire team, um, so we will be doing the show live from a hotel somewhere in Las Vegas. There is no telling exactly who will be involved in said show. There is no telling exactly what time that show will be, depending on when people arrive um, and are available. And that will kind of be the theme for the whole week. 
for anything we do live, whether it be uh, Plug Hits Live or Laptop Magazine and Tom's Guide, anything live that happens to happen during the week, you just have to tune in for. If you're on Facebook with us, definitely make sure your notifications are set to alert you to live broadcasts as it will make your life so much easier. You'll be able to follow along and get notifications whenever any of us go live. You should have those turned on anyway, uh, but especially for that week, uh, you'll want to have your notifications for our Facebook pages turned on so you know when we go live, because we won't know either. I know, uh, I know we're planning on doing some stuff, um, either official or unofficial, maybe some behind-the-scenes live on both Facebook and Periscope. If you're not following us on Periscope, you can go join us over there as well, um, at Plug Hits Live. I don't know if uh, Laptop and uh, Tom's Guide have uh, Periscope or if you're going to live entirely on Facebook Live or where you guys are going to be. Yeah, I think that's probably where we're going to stick to, though we've got some followers over on Periscope, so we might fire it up for back behind-the-scenes stuff from time to time just to keep them engaged, too. But um, like, like I said, there's really kind of no telling when either one of us will be going live, so follow along, turn on your notifications. Abram looks like he... Oh, no, he's moving. Okay. Uh, <laughs> it's been... It's been a night of technical difficulties, and um, what better way to end 2016? Anyway, so uh, that's that's CES for us in a nutshell. Monday will be live. The following Sunday, which is the last day of CES, we will be live uh, again from CES, and then after that, we will all be back to normal. Uh, well, as normal as you can be a week after CES. We will be back to normal, hopefully, with as few uh, illnesses as possible. I'm sick now, so I'm hoping that that's, that's my sickness, that I I will be ready for CES. Fingers crossed. Yeah, I'm getting out of the way now, too. I have a bit of a cold. Uh, at least, you know, usually, usually I feel ill after I come back from CES, uh -huh. the combination of not sleeping and being exposed to all the germs. Yep. Uh, some of our long-term viewers may remember that um, one year I almost passed out live on air the Sunday before CES, I believe, and uh, John Worm did during the broadcast. So being at CES usually just means sick for all of us in the industry. Like it's not just it's not just me and and Avram and everybody. It's just kind of a known thing. We all expect to get sick. Listen, going to CES, if you are a uh, tech news junkie, um, and I hope you are, because if you are, then that might be why you're listening to the show. Um, Fair enough. You know, it's C and you, but you haven't been to CES. It seems so cool. Like, oh, wow, there are all these things happening. I won't lie. If you didn't have to work and you just have to go there to hang out and see all the things – it would be so cool. Yep. But uh, and some of the things we see there are really cool. But then we have to go back and write about them or video about them or, or whatever till all hours of the night. Uh huh. And it and it becomes less cool. Yeah. Uh, so going to CES, I kind of look at it as as sort of like really similar to to changing my son's diaper when he was <laughs> in diapers. You know, like um, it's sort of like 
the only thing worse than doing it is not doing it. <laughs> so like the only thing worse than going is to not go and be left out. Uh-huh. Uh huh. You know, to let it fester without you. But uh, the uh, and I I will uh, I will point out that in the chat room right now is one of our first time CES team members who I am certain we are frightening now, which is good because it's a frightening thing. <laughs> It's only it really it's only frightening from the perspective of if you have to if if you have an obligation like you have to get this up now and whatever. Yeah. I know people who go and you know their job is not to like do news there. Their job is just like yeah, I'm gonna write something at the end of the week. For them, it's very relaxing. Oh, that must be nice. You know, uh, I mean, the other thing is it also really highly depends on your transportation situation. There, sure. Right? Uh, because I think the thing that I find the most frustrating at CES is getting around. Yeah, yeah. If your if your meetings are all in the same place, then it's not a big deal. But if like you got to go to a hotel and then you got to be somewhere else at another hotel or another uh, or a convention center within you know within a half an hour later and you're waiting in a cab line and, uh-huh. and you never know exactly what's going to happen. Yeah. Um, and then you get to the hotel and you can't find where you're going because there's no signs. So it's those are the things that become frustrating. Or, of course, if you're a part of my team who has not entirely heard this number yet and uh, has a goal of 90 interviews in four days. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Uh, that that kind of thing. But the good news is if you interview all people who are at the same booth, you're in great shape. <laughs> that would uh, make for an easy set of interviews, but not necessarily the most compelling by the fourth or fifth. Like you should go to the the Intel booth is always really big. There's a lot of different stations there, and of course, a lot of people coming. You should just interview the people who visited it. We we ninety of them. I think we did five or six at Intel last year. So yeah, because <laughs> they've got so much cool stuff there. Anyway, they do. That is a really good one for those who are going. Like Intel booth is always a good is always a good visit. All right, so we're going to talk about more CES in a little bit in the Pilch Point. So uh, if you're listening live, definitely stick around. Um, But before we do that, let's talk some news of the week. This week's Nifty Gifties on F5 Live is proudly powered by the Microsoft Store. It's your la- it's almost your last chance. The Christmas and all of that is here. If you want to receive stuff by the 24th, you've got two days to order. Whether it be a Surface Pro 4 and a type cover, which you can save up to $429 on right now. You can save $50 plus get an extra uh, free game and a $30 gift code on an Xbox One right now. Uh, you can get uh, $300 off the Dell Inspiron 15. There's a whole bunch of deals. Oh, $400 off select Surface Books. All kinds of deals right now. And of course, um, it's not just the primary things you think about uh, with Microsoft, the uh, the Lumia 650 is under 100 bucks. The Lumia 950 it just came down $200, I think, yesterday. It's now retailing for $299, and uh, that's the one with Continuum and all the cool things you can do. 
Uh, and to find out all the deals that are going on right now and to order your product, you can go to f5live.tv slash Microsoft. All right. So, obviously, uh, for the last couple of years, but the last, I'd say, 12 months in particular, there's been a lot of talk about autonomous vehicles. Tesla has certainly brought them to the forefront. I think we even talked about uh, Tesla briefly a couple of weeks ago when they announced that all of their future vehicles would have um, have the self-driving uh, software and hardware built into them, whether or not it would be turned on right away. It has become a big topic and everybody seems to be involved. And of course, when everybody's involved, uh, so is the government. And the governments have struggled to understand and uh, do their thing, which is regulate and all of that. And more importantly, they've had trouble regulating in a fair and unified way. For, for example, right, is there a difference from the state of California's perspective between Tesla, which requires a human being to be sitting in the driver's seat for the self-driving future to work in the event something goes wrong, the human being can take over, and the stuff that Google and Audi, Audi and everybody like that is working on where there's nobody in it. You know, is there a difference between those? Right now that I mean right now there is there's no state that allows the car to drive by itself anyway. All the ones that the Google is running and that others are running, they still have to have a driver behind the wheel as a backup. Right. Though there have been a couple of instances where that has not exactly happened. Uber, for example, had their um their uh delivery truck that moved a very short period, a very short distance, but everybody was really excited about it that was delivering beer or something. It did not go very far. The video was all of like 30 seconds, I think, and it went a thousand feet on a straight line. But that's neither here nor there. Uh, Uber is the one that uh, we're going to be talking about here because they are curious about California's rules. So here's what happened. Tesla requires nothing special. If you own a Tesla and you sit in your car and turn on the self-driving feature in the vehicles that it works in, um, you don't have to do anything special with the state. You don't have to, nothing. It's your driver's license is all you need to own the car and operate the car in any state. Uh, nope, in any vehicle state. <laughs> We're talking in particular about the state of California, but any state of the vehicles driving. Uh, you're, there you go. Thank you. Any mode uh, in the state of California, your driver's license is all you need. Uber just uh, put on the road some vehicles that work very similar, have the same rules as the Teslas, work on very similar technology, and require a human being to be in the seat all the things that we know uh that tesla has the uber vehicles are exactly the same the state of california is requiring that uber get a license a special license per vehicle that is operating and uber does not understand to be fair neither do i 
that seems like a weird why Uber and not Tesla. Well, let me ask you this. Tesla is not running a um, they're not running a ride sharing or, you know, limousine taxi service. True. Right. So that's one distinction right there. We have a different set of regulations for limousines and taxis than we do for uh, individual uh, drivers driving themselves and their friends. Very true. So uh, in this case, uh, the the distinction between the two would be, are you choosing to put your safety in your vehicle in question or somebody potentially unsuspecting? Yes. Who's a customer of yours? Yes. Although I don't know if they're unsuspecting. Don't they tell you? I would imagine so. But I guess the point is, if you're offering it as a service for profit, then then it's at a higher level. I mean, similarly, you know, if you similarly, you look at the situation with like taxi drivers. Right. Mm -hmm. I don't know how it is in other areas, but in, in New York, at least in New York City, they have a very, very like strict taxi licensing thing. You cannot. I, I have a driver's license. But it doesn't mean I'm allowed to drive a taxi, right? And pick up fares. And th- those medallions alone are insanely expensive. So they have a, a a big regulatory apparatus, with the theory being anyway that you uh, that you have to hold someone who's driving people as a business to a higher standard than someone who's doing who's just uh, driving themselves and their and their friends. But uh, you know, so. If you're holding a, something that's self-driving, I mean, we've already had a situation where someone who's who's doing it for profit gets held to a higher standard than someone, a human, who's doing it not for profit. Right. So, and, and from that standpoint, it totally makes sense. And, you know, California is, is one of those states that is quick to move and quick to panic. So... You know, with the the couple of Tesla stories a number of weeks back, in particular, you know, Uber comes out with this new thing. Nobody even was quite expecting it on this timeline. It's going to be for profit. Tesla already kind of proved that, uh uh-oh, sometimes trees can be a problem. And California's response is, Uber, we're going to... We're going to require special things of you. Here's the thing. There are 20 other companies who have already been held to this higher standard of a unique license for the vehicle. And Uber doesn't believe that they belong in that category. Uber doesn't believe they belong in any category. Uber Uber is an interesting (laughs) business case in the world uh, because... You know, they are a very, I mean, just in general, in every environment which they operate, they're in every state, in every locality, they're kind of at odds with the existing um, everything, the existing taxi and limousine people. Right. Right. Because what they're doing is they're basically circumventing uh, whatever license they're trying to or hoping to circumvent all the licensing and insurance requirements. Right that are already in existence by claiming that it's just consumers driving their cars right by claiming that's ride sharing but mm-hmm. people who do uber are the same people who do taxi and limousine it's just another method 
for them to, you know, to solicit to get clients. Right. You know, so, you know, it, I mean, Uber is very convenient. Uh, I know a lot of people who really like it. Um, but I don't see it as a game changing system the way a lot of other, the way it's portrayed. Right. Because to me, it just seems like a uh, taxi service, taxi service by another name. I've got on my phone, I don't remember the name of the app. It's yellow. That's all I remember. And it does the exact same thing, but it it calls, you know, yellow cab and checker cab and that Right. From the consumer perspective, there's no difference. Right. From the uh, you know, except that Uber's got all this branding so people know it now. Uh, it's become a verb, right? I'll Uber it. Right. Um, I myself never use Uber, but uh, me too. It too many stories about it. It just made me feel like uncomfortable with it, and also I just kind of I feel like, especially in in New York, like if I need a taxi, then I need it immediately, and I'm gonna hail on it down. If if I can't get one, that mean that's probably a message to me that I shouldn't waste my money and I should just wait for the subway. Uh, but you know, look, it's so to me, it's no surprise that um, they're they're obviously on a hat. They don't they're a company that does not like the existing business structure, the existing regulatory structure. Uh, you know, if you like what they're doing, you can call them disruptive. If you don't, you can call them uh, trying to sort of get around the rules. I think the word um, you're looking for is obnoxious. Yeah, uh, but. <laughs> You know, it's it's no surprise. Just today, I was watching TV here in New York State, and they uh, had a commercial about how, you know, trying to get us all to call the our local state representative and the governor to. I don't understand. Uber is legal here, so something about legalizing Uber. I think it's there's some limitations on them that they don't Probably. like. Yeah, they don't. So, they don't like any limitations or. Being treated as anything other than you driving your car, I think, is their problem. Yeah, I mean, look, there's, you know, one you could make the same arguments about Airbnb as well, you know. Yeah. Is Air is Airbnb just a nice little service for for people who want to rent out their homes and make an extra buck, and we shouldn't we shouldn't stand in their way, or is it a way for small time hotel proprietors? small-time lodging proprietors to, to get around the rules and to market that, their business in a different way yeah and market yeah. and market their business in a different way or potentially you know if you're or potentially get around zoning laws where you know what maybe i don't want my neighbor turning their ho ho apartment into a hotel because you've got all kinds of strange people coming and going mm -hmm. and that's not what i want from my neighborhood so you know it's uh anyway you could go on about this forever but <laughs> But the, but the result is the same. Yeah, the Uber doesn't like being told what to do. That is for sure. Um, they are, so I guess to wrap up the story, uh, currently they are still operating these vehicles. The DMV of California has said that the attorney general will um, uh, be looking for relief starting potentially as early as tomorrow which could mean that Uber is about to pay way more 
than the licensing for the vehicles in a very costly lawsuit that will not end in their favor. So my guess is as soon as as soon as the chest thumping actually starts, uh, there will be licenses for these vehicles. Yeah. Now, on the bright side, considering the bad reputation, bad stories, horror stories we've heard about Uber drivers, mm-hmm. the self-driving Uber sounds a lot better than the one with a person in it. Yeah, so right. I trust that one a lot. <laughs> that's that's for sure. This week's Pilch Point with Avram Pilch is proudly powered by Monster Products. Whether you are looking for headphones, speakers, cables, or power, Monster has you covered. The headphones that are on my head right now, the Monster Element on-ear, uh, or over-ear headphones, uh, they're wired and they're Bluetooth, they sound absolutely incredible, um, we just posted a review on them recently on uh, PlugKidsLive.com. Um, we love them. There's also the Monster Blaster, which is, if you watched our our holiday preview, is a giant uh, boombox that sounds wonderful and is so loud, um, your neighbors may dislike it unless they like your music. Uh, um all of those available right now with specials and free ground shipping right now uh, available by going to f5live.tv slash monster. And that music means that it is time for the Pilch Point with online editorial director of Laptop Magazine and Tom's Guide, Abram Pilch. Abram, there you are. Hey... Oh, it's that time. It's the time when I start to panic that everything's not going to be in place. Most people start panicking about the holidays. I don't care about the holidays. I'm worried about CES. How about you? Yeah, you know, to be really honest with you, every most of my uh, colleagues at, at Laptop Mag and Tom's Guide have done a much better job than me of preparing uh, so far. I have this week and you know honestly the people we're making appointments with will probably be hearing from them making appointments even the week between christmas and new year's so um yeah you know in, in fact lots. that's usually the week where we start getting a uh, panic beggy emails yeah i mean that's it's it's a weird thing because right now we're in the course of kind of lining up appointments some people do a better job than, than me for sure of lining up all their appointments I kind of hold them out because, like, I want to make sure I have time for the appointments with, like, the big, big vendors that I have to meet with before. But the emails I get first and the appointments I can easily get first are the ones with companies I've never met with or smaller companies, which I actually really enjoy the most. But if I, like, miss meeting with Dell or something, then I'm in trouble. You know, then it would be bad. Sure. So I miss something really important, like, really, like, every uh, – like really, you know, that everyone will, will expect uh, that I, everyone else will be in on. But, um, you know, the most interesting things are the, are the emails I get from companies that just they're they're showing something that like, at least in the email sounds really cool. Like, you know, somebody sent me something about 
uh, a charging method that is going to come uh, from the ceiling, like wireless charging coming out of something in the ceiling. Like, okay. I want to see that. Now, very often when you get emails like that, it's all very conceptual. It's like, if this worked, this is how it would work. But, <laughs> you know. Yeah, there's a lot of those. But still, like, that's the kind of thing I love to to see at CES, love to meet with. And, of course, anything robot-related, um, I'm behind a thousand percent because... Us, too. That's just really a lot of fun. Of course, sometimes the things that I see that look really cool uh, never come to fruition. Uh, like, one of the things we gave an award to last year, it was this really cool-looking robot that could play games and all kinds of things. And last I checked last month, it was still vaporware. Uh, so... You know, it's uh, CS is all about the interesting, not necessarily the good. Where I like to tell people, my job we're in the business of interesting, not the business of good. Like, you know, especially that's especially true at CES. Someone may show you something, and you may think, "Wow, this is crazy. This is actually a terrible idea." But is it unique? Great, let's report on it. Um, <laughs> I can't tell you how many times we've reported on something that we thought was a terrible idea, but boy, was it interesting. Or something that's a really good idea, but but it never gets executed on, or, or you know, it never comes to anything. Or a really great uh, that idea that, or a really great idea that never stands a chance in the market. Yeah, like things where they become extremely ambitious, like they're going to try and overturn an existing standard. Yeah. Right? Like, forget Windows. Here's our operating system. Or <laughs> you know. Yeah. Thing, things things like that are like you know now we're starting to see i think some some hardening in the uh platforms for vr right yeah i mean there's so many already but you know another company to come along and be like yeah use our vr operating system or our vr platform dude we already have google daydream we've got hollow windows holographic we've got vive we've got oculus We've got we've got uh, you know the Sam Samsung sort of using Oculus on the Gear VR. We've got PlayStation VR. If somebody comes along today, is like, yeah, we're gonna start a new platform for VR. No, thank you. I I wish you luck. I really do. Or, um, or not, because I don't necessarily want there to be that many out there making sure that nothing works anywhere. More platforms is more reporting is more fun. I, I love having diversity <laughs> of stuff of, of of different things. I mean, uh, but have you done have you done a lot of reporting on sailfish lately? No. <laughs> if it was no, you know, but you see things like that, you're like, that's a story, right? Right. But it's not a continuing story. Sure, fair enough. Uh, you know, it's definitely sort of like, a one off. Uh, one thing that that happened like that that was a story over a period of time a small amount of a story over a period of time was was uh firefox uh was it firefox mobile right like the mobile or yeah firefox you know, os i actually firefox I, os i talked to uh, a company two years ago at ces about they were the the first to announce a actual for market firefox os and i'm like yeah good luck with that one guys now, you know, I had a very strong feeling it wasn't going to go anywhere, which I think has now been proven that it's – didn't they officially end it finally? Yeah, they got rid of it um, for mobile a number of months ago, uh, but they said they were still going to try and market it for televisions. And then uh, like three weeks ago, they dumped that idea too. So, yeah, it's gone. I think that's 
I think that's the last stand for any operating system is the TV, right? <laughs> WebOS. Yep. The same thing I was going to say, yes, LG. Yeah, right. It's, a, it's the last stand. It's the, the last place you go to die is before is when your operating system goes to TV. I, or like, uh, I still have to get one of those WebOS TVs. It's the only WebOS product I don't own, and it bothers me a little bit. Or like Mego that became uh-huh. – um, it merged with Tizen. something else, yeah, and then it became something else entirely, yeah. Yeah, like, like you know, I remember seeing that. It was, like, way far behind what you would get from Android or or from iOS or, or Windows Phone. But it was like, oh, okay, if they come out with phones like this, I'll be very interested to review them. You know, will people be – will they succeed? Didn't think so. Uh, so, you know, hey, look, I'm all for – uh, for seeing interesting things and you know i wish them all luck because the more new i mean that's one of the things that we do find interesting about robots is that they're not really settled down into such a rigid set of platforms and use cases uh like you have with so many other categories yeah the 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 world of robotics is so wide there's plenty of room for a little bit of everything Exactly. Whereas, you know, I mean, I, I love laptops. That's our, our business. But how many laptops are we going to see at CES that are like going to really break the mold? I'm going to say we're going to see ones that are really nice that people are going to want to buy. We're not going to I don't think we're going to see too many that are going to be like, wow, this is the first time we've ever seen this. <laughs> or if it is. It's going to be iteratively better. Like, oh, it's a little bit faster. It's a little bit nicer. It's a little bit thinner. It's a little so, bit redder. You know, and that's great. You know, you, you can't always reinvent the wheel. But, uh, you know, so CES, what do you expect to see there? Um, so the thing that I'm right now kind of most excited about, uh, well, there's, <clears throat> there's two things on the floor that I get excited about. One robotics for lots of reasons uh, not the least of which of course being my relationship with first robotics um, <clears throat> but again there's there's so much there's that can be done there's so many interesting things we mentioned uh, at the top of the show the Intel booth Intel had like the ideal thing for me last year it was a combination of robotics and the Segway which, was oh orig- that yes which was originally the Segway technology was originally created by the guy who founded first robotics uh dean Kamen. so that kind of made for a, a perfect combination of things for me uh, so robotics i always get excited about but then i really like eureka park yes uh, which for those yes. of you who don't have never been to ces or don't know quite how the floor is laid out um eureka park is the place where the startups go usually very early stage startups but oftentimes the things they have are insane not necessarily bad that's not a bad word but they're insane and that's my favorite they're they're usually five years ahead of the market trend (laughs) and sometimes they're super weird sometimes it's a robotic bartender yeah, yeah. I, I like Eureka Park is my absolutely favorite part of CES. Uh, for those who are going, it's in the Venetian. Um, 
Like the show is kind of split between booths in the Venetian and in the Las Vegas Convention Center, and there's a shuttle between. Eureka Park is in the Venetian. That, that I mean, that is the best part of the show by far now because that's the part where you don't know what to expect. Absolutely. Remember when it was in a little room that was so small you could see from one end to the other? Yeah. And now it's, it's huge, and there's so many interesting, weird wonderful things in there i i love it i mean i would i would like to to not have any other meetings and just walk around eureka (laughs) park maybe i'll do that maybe i'll just skip the because like yeah you do see things there that you weren't expecting yeah for for example one that i saw a few years ago there was a it was a phone case for your iphone okay and it came out too uh, I just uh, well, it was a that's definitely a your, differentiator for your iPhone and what it would do is it would light up different <clears throat> colors based on you're getting a text or getting a call but here's the key thing it didn't use any electricity somehow it siphoned the electricity heat or electricity off of your phone to power itself huh uh, so, and well, it would give you, you know, that little, that little tiny bit of alert. I mean, honestly, if your phone makes noise, you probably would know that it was calling too, but you know, it was a really cool idea and execution to see. Sure. You know, so, well, how about that? How about that security watch that we saw that you and I saw a couple of years yeah. ago? There well, was a, that was a foretelling of things to come, right? Because right, exactly. They were a couple of years ahead of the market trend. Now you can use an Android Wear watch with the right setup um, to unlock Windows Hello. I, yeah. That's awesome. Exactly. So, I mean, it was not unpredictable, but they were the first first ones I saw demonstrating it. Right. You know, it's not that... it. It's not that we couldn't have predicted it happening, right? Uh, and and I guarantee you that they're probably, they're probably went nowhere. We saw a really small company. I think they were were they a Russian company or a French company? They certainly uh, weren't uh, English natives. Uh, showing showing this thing where you you'd wear like a security token watch, and then you'd use it to log. There was a scanner. Mm-hmm. Used a scanner, so it wasn't blue a Bluetooth token like. Right. So it was an extra added piece of hardware that people don't need now. So I bet you that their thing went nowhere, but their business or, pro- their, that concept probably went nowhere for them. But or possibly they yeah. they could have licensed the technology to somebody bigger. Who knows? You know, there's there's all kinds of possibilities on what have happened to them. Uh, and then last year I saw, like I mentioned a little bit ago, a robotic bartender. Now I've gotten three uh, emails from different companies this year with competitors. But it was a, it was definitely a unique and interesting concept there on the there on the floor that uh that I remember Michelle making comments. She's like, I'm surprised this wasn't the thing before. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, I mean, it's amazing to see sort of the um, different different things that get technology added into them and become smart. Uh, remember the smart fork a couple of years ago? Uh huh. You know, now yeah, we're I... getting all these pitches for smart toothbrushes, although I've been there have been smart toothbrushes for, for like years. a year or two, so yeah. it's not so exciting anymore. I 
I interviewed, and I believe it was, I'm almost certain it was Eureka Park. Um, there was a pan that, the the pan itself wasn't necessarily the exciting part, though it, it had connectivity and it was able to tell, like your your phone would tell you, okay, now add so much of this. And you would, and it would tell you if you've added too much based on weight and stuff like that, which was a really cool idea and something um, like at the time, um, Danielle, who's part of our broadcast team, uh, was just just new in college. And so our conversation or new to college. Yeah, it was her first year in college. So uh, we were talking about, you know, cooking and whether or not and she said, you know, there's a lot of students who have no idea going in and kind of get screwed out of that. And we were talking about how that would be kind of a perfect accessory for a student like that. It's little, it's easy. It talks you through it. It tells you if you messed up, there's what a great kind of thing. And that was a Eureka Park find. So that's all of that is the reason why I like Eureka Park. <laughs> yeah, it's it's fun. It's fun. Yeah. So it it's fun without the requirement of the flash of, you know, TCL or Dish Network or, you know, the the central hall stuff where the booths cost more than your house. <laughs> Also, you're likely to get a scoop there. Like as yeah. a journalist, yeah, true. Eureka Park is a good place to get a scoop because it's not prescribed. Like those folks probably haven't reached out to a lot of journalists before the show because they might be too small or not really have a big PR apparatus. So or you may not know first... or may not know that they can get the press list from CES because they've never participated in anything like this. Right. So you might actually scoop somebody, which right. you know warms my heart you know <laughs> to get it before other outlets indeed you know they, they may be they're going to be if 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 a big company announces something if samsung announces something i promise you they will all be all over it but if something cool happens in eureka park you gotta you know there's a real chance to to have it to get it to be the first to discover it yeah and that's and, that's fun and discovering we've, something we've become friends with people from the Eureka Park booths at this point, you know, these little companies get excited. We're the only ones that want to do an interview with them all week. They're super excited. We become friends. They send us stuff ahead of time. You know, we're the yeah, only yeah. ones getting embargoed news and stuff like that. So, yeah, it's, it's, you know, from, from our insider journalist point of view, I, you obviously love, uh, love it when people actually really want to talk to you. Right. And, you might be the first to see them and they're really, you know, excited to give you more information because they don't always get a ton of coverage. Right. So, um, you know, so it's good. It's, yeah. uh, it's fun. I, it's, you, you don't know exactly what you're going to see when you walk in there and, and it may be a booth that's way in the corner or something that, mm -hmm. that has something that's really a big story. Which so. is different from like most of the main, convention center you kind of know I, I mean even to a certain extent where things are going to be like i know where intel's going to be i know where tcl is going to be i know where dish network's going to be not necessarily motorola because i think they gave up their booth last year um but you know monster's always in the same place there's a lot of you even know where the booths are at a certain point 
and of course, what you're going to see at a lot of those booths. You know, sometimes Intel will surprise you with a Segway robot, but for the most part, you kind of know the kind of things you're going to see at Intel or at Dish Network. But in Eureka Park, you have no idea. No idea what kind of weird thing you're going to bump into. Yep. So, um, my heading into CES, though, the the some of the weird emails that we do get are can be fun too. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna call anybody out on the show, but you posted something on Facebook this week that was Listen, it, it, it wasn't actually that... really their fault. It was my fault for for having higher hopes <laughs> from the email subject line than actually was the case when I opened the email. So, but I got an email. I, I, I read. I read that email and I didn't feel like I even quite understood what we were talking about by the end of it. So it doesn't really matter what they're talking <laughs> about. I'm not that interested in seeing their toilets. I mean, so, so, so to, 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 to break out the inside joke for those of you uh, watching and listening, uh, you know, we get a lot of CES uh, pitches, which is great. People want us to come visit them and want us to, to report on their products. And some are more appropriate for, for us and others. Yeah. So I got one with the subject line was, uh, you know, something like uh, tour with T- Toto Tour uh, booth 2345 or something. Now, if you see the word Toto, T-O-T-O, and a tour in it, what would you think, the, who would you think you were meeting with? It's something Wizard of Oz based. Ah, me being a child of the '80s, I thought it was the band, the the yacht rock band Toto. Sure. Uh, so I thought I was going there. I was going to be meeting with Rosanna. Um, <laughs> but uh, you know, and and, I, and, and it's yeah. not that crazy because they have a lot of uh, star. Uh, and believe me, Toto's not even that big a star. So they have a lot of star and semi-star. But you went you know, there people, first. They're promoting things. So when I saw it, I was like, oh, maybe, you know, I mean, maybe that's who it is. But I open it up and know it is. It's not. There is a toilet and urinal company called Toto. Uh, and uh, they're showing off some new high-tech toilets. Which is. Maybe that is worth covering. I don't know. But, I, I uh, feel like maybe uh, you won't get scooped on it. <laughs> I, I hope. uh the question is, will I get flushed on it? Oh. Uh, but, but yeah, I, but uh, so yeah, that's you know. But the get, emails can be fun. Uh, we get stu- we get stuff all the time, and if it's something that is smart and connected that hasn't been smart and connected before, that's news. That's great. Sure. I think theirs were just like you know, you know, toilets that that you know have have warm seats or something. But if it has Bluetooth in the toilet, I'm there. <laughs> what's it gonna do you have to flush from the phone what what is if it, if it has i don't think they do have that i don't think it has but if they i'll reread the mail because if they do have bluetooth in the toilet i'm totally there i mean because <laughs> you don't see that every day that's very true although there was an episode of bob's burgers where there was a pretty smart toilet and told jokes and played music and all kinds of stuff anyway um so <laughs> I guess that's the 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 point of all of this is um from our coverage there's no telling what you're going to get because we will encounter things on the floor sometimes we'll contact each other hey this isn't right for us but um I think you're going to love this and 
we'll we'll bounce ideas. We don't know exactly what we're gonna encounter, so there's no telling what you guys will get to see. So, um, obviously, pluckitslive.com and uh, for you guys, laptopmag.com and tomsguide.com. Follow us on Facebook. We will have some Facebook lives, uh, live Facebook live streams. Uh, and there will be some cool things. So, uh, so please, uh, we will, we will cut through the, cut through the boring stuff and show you the interesting stuff. That is certainly the goal. We will try and cut through the three plus million square feet of exhibitor space and bring you, um, just the stuff that (laughs) seems terribly exciting, I think is our ultimate goal. So, um, Obviously, for those of you who are joining us just for the Pilch Point, um, we will be off now for a couple of weeks. Uh, Next week is Christmas. The week after is New Year's. And then we have CES. So there's going to be a gap in the traditional uh, version of the Pilch Point, though it's always possible that we will find a little bit of time to sit down and do like a special non-normal version of the Pilch Point sometimes. A very special episode. Um, so. Yes, I, th- I I hope so. There's So there's a lot of neat, neat things at CES, and uh, stay tuned. All right, so um, we'll close this one more like we close the normal show. Uh, on behalf of, our, of all the staff, have a good holiday, and uh, we will see you guys in 2017. Yes. This week's Extra Life on F5 Live is proudly powered by Razer. Uh, all, all the gaming accessories you could kind of ever want uh, is what Razer specializes in, whether it be um, you know, real feedback keyboards like Avram and I are a big fan of, or a mouse with lots of programmable buttons, headphones with a really great microphone for talking on Xbox Live or, uh, you know, Ventrilo. That's probably not a brand anymore. Uh, I don't know why that was all I could come up with. Anyway, um, (laughs) however you talk in games. um, And they've also got some really great webcams if you do uh, broadcast on Twitch and stuff like that. Uh, And... Of course, it's the holidays, which means there are deals galore. And you can find out what those deals are by going to f5live.tv slash razor. So, a game that we were have been very excited about for just a couple of weeks, uh, really. Um, though we kind of knew it was coming. It was announced at the uh, Apple event just a matter of was it weeks maybe months ago i don't remember when the apple events are anymore um was super mario run it's an interesting take on the runner slash platformer uh game type it's it takes place obviously in the mario world and it's not just a a forever run like 
like Temple Run or something like that. It's it's split up into levels, just like a traditional Mario game. They take place in the same kinds of environments. You're still collecting coins, uh, but it it's this auto runner, which makes more sense for mobile because you know lots of controls on a mobile game make it kind of impossible to play. So it finally released this week, uh, just a couple of days ago, and. Being a Nintendo property, the thing that everybody was curious about was how was it going to do compared to Pokemon Go? Um, it's a little unfair to compare them directly because Pokemon Go rolled out to countries in waves, thank God, because no release went well. Um, and uh, Super Mario Run was released to 180 countries, boom, all at once, here you go, bye-bye. Um and so they got almost 5 million downloads in their first 24 hours, which obviously eclipsed Pokemon Go that only released in small batches. But that's okay. Um, different game, still technically Nintendo-ish. Um, and it has had interesting reception. Um it's available only for the iPhone. It's not available on Android yet. It will be. Uh, if you find it on Android, do not download it. It is not real, and it is probably trying to steal your stuff. So don't even go looking for it on Android. It's not there yet. We'll let you know when it is. Um, if you have an iPhone, you can download it now. The game is, and I use the sarcasm air quotes on purpose, free, because it's not. Uh, you can download the game. You can play the first three uh, levels of the first world for free. And that is all. Uh, you cannot play the first castle, and you cannot play the rest of the game for free. Um, fortunately, it's only $9.99 to play the whole game. So if you get really excited by those first three levels, you can go and purchase all of the content, one, one batch, $9.99, go. But... That did not sit well with a lot of people, and uh, as of just a couple of hours ago, the last I checked, there were four, over 49,000 reviews of the game, more than 50% of which were one star. A lot of them reference the, uh, the what they're referring to as a bait-and-switch kind of marketing on the game, which... I mean, anybody who thought the game was going to be entirely free uh, is crazy. And anybody who thought that Nintendo was going to get into the free-to-play, pay-to-win kind of scenario doesn't know Nintendo real well. Um, but yeah, it is an interesting scenario. Uh, you know, we see a lot of mobile games come out with with these odd monetization programs and Nintendo just went totally traditional uh, it's a ten dollar game so what do you think about that I'd rather have that I, I'm I with mean, you. now yeah I have to tell you it you get a different perspective on this as a parent <laughs> when you kind of have to tell your kid no like you have a game and like to unlock a small piece of it you got to pay right it's a very awkward conversation sure like 
like my son has a game that he likes to play called Mod Nation Racers, and and like you make characters and cars in this game, and like some when you're going to like make a character and you want to give it a hat or something like five of the hats are free and then there are a bunch of dollar signs next to them you literally have to be like a dollar to put like a digital hat on this person on this person's head and i have to explain to my four-year-old like uh no that's costs money we can't have that well why not because uh there's no end like you buy one and then you buy another like yeah. if somebody just came along and like listen ten dollars and you don't have to worry about and he can have all the hats like that would be nice. That would be the end. The, I think the real fear is you just don't know how, like how far sure. how far is this going to go. Yeah, I know. I know that there are a lot of people who, um, I don't know that like is the right term, but or even prefer, but don't hate the idea of the microtransactions because they're they feel less expensive but not obviously not when you're fully cognizant of the the world they don't feel less expensive at all but obviously oh it's only 50 cents great yeah how many of them are you gonna buy over time whereas it's 10 bucks i'm moving on with my day i will play the game for as long as i play the game and i will feel like I paid a certain amount for it and I'll be happy about it. Yeah. And at that point you probably will play it more because, wow, I spent 10 bucks on this. <laughs> right. Yeah. There's certainly that. Um, obviously not all of the one star reviews are people complaining about having to pay. Some are a lot are uh, simply because in the, in the store it's listed as free. There's no like try it for free, pay $10 to buy the game. You get it for free, and then somewhere inside, it's like, oh, yeah, you can't play this castle. Do you want to buy the game? Oh, I didn't know that this was essentially a trial. So I can I can see how that's a bit of, like, getting kicked in the stomach. It's certainly a bit of a surprise, and it's weird marketing on it, but... Uh. I don't know exactly how the iTunes... Uh, how the iPhone app store works with that concept in general, if that. I can tell you in the Android store, if you see a game that's free, chances are that they're going to try and upsell you. Sure. And so, and it's marked with the little plus sign, which indicates that there's in-app purchases, but it's not exactly an in-app purchase so much as I'm playing a demo and there's a full app available. And I know that it's, a bit of a it could just be a really short game that you're playing to paying to extend (laughs) sure it's it's for me it's a little weird i know uh i know in the like in the windows phone store there's a, a buy it and try it button which tends to be how those things are are handled but i guess well i guess i'm not the only one who's surprised by it Right, there's there's a lot of people complaining, but uh, there are other people who are like, "This isn't a Mario game. This is just a, it's just a running game." But I'll tell you, I've played quite a bit of it at this point, and I kind of like the game. I think, especially for Nintendo's first attempt at something off of one of their own 
devices in a very long time. Can't say it's their first because they were the ones for that terrible Panasonic gaming console that never went anywhere and the games were terrible. Um, but uh, it's their first attempt in a very long time to build a game off of their platform, off of a franchise that's important to them. And I think it's a really good first attempt. It's it's fun. It's not easy, but it's not painful. You know, it just takes some some time to play around with, which is for me, which is fine. And I think a lot of people have said that they don't feel this way, but I feel like it's a it lives in the same world that the uh, the Nintendo 3DS Mario games have. I. Obviously, it runs on its own. It, you know, Mario moves by himself. But other than that, I feel like it's got a lot of the same, you know, traditional platformer features of a more traditional Mario game. Now, obviously, I'm looking at it from somebody who has three NESs in the office. But so what I consider to be a, a traditional Mario game and what somebody who's 15 considers to be a traditional Mario game are not necessarily the same, but I like it. I think it's fun. It sounds like a fun game. I mean, you know, but spending 10 bucks on a game doesn't sound that bad, honestly, especially if they are going to stop not keep coming back to you for, for more. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm, I'm totally with you on that one. I I don't have a problem with the idea of paying for a game. I actually have a problem with paying for parts of a game occasionally. I'd, I'd rather just be done with it. Right. That's the frustrating part. So. Yeah. So anyway, if you haven't, if you have an iPhone, and you haven't tried it yet. Um, you get the first three levels of World 1 for free. You can at least see what the game is about and decide whether or not you like it. It's worth $10, right? Because in a in a normal microtransaction, you don't know when you start buying stuff, you don't know if you're going to care about the game at all. At least you get enough of a feel to know whether the game is going to be worth your time and whether it's going to be worth your money and then you can make a decision and stick with it. So, I guess that's the thing. Uh, if you have an iPhone, give it a shot. I think it's fun. And if you're a true classic Nintendo person, I think it'll be right up your alley. This week's news from the tubes on F5 Live is proudly powered by Rift Tracks. Make fun of movies or let the professionals do it for you because yeah, that's what they get paid to do. The guys who used to do Mystery Science Theater 3000 are back and doing what they do best, making fun of movies from Blockbusters to the second annual Bridget and Mary Joe Christmas special. Can't make these things up. There's somebody cutting meat in black and white. Um, no telling what this is. They've got a little bit of everything. The way it normally works is for a couple of dollars, you download the MP3, play it along with your DVD, Netflix, Amazon, wherever you happen to have the movie, and laugh. Uh, they also offer uh, some short films, of which I'm assuming this Christmas special is one, because I swear if this is a full film, it is terrifying. Um, it's a lot of industry 
films and those things you used to watch in school absolutely torn apart. And then uh, from time to time they do live events. Uh, the last one for 2016 has already happened, and they will be announcing their 2017 lineup hopefully soon. Um, to sign up to find out when the new live events are published, to find out what shorts and what films are available, you can go to f5live.tv slash tracks with an X. Yeah, I have no idea what this thing is. It's kind of scaring me. Anyway, uh, they cut a lot of meat in this video. <laughs> I don't want to see it now. Anyway, that's not what we're going to talk about. We are instead going to talk about Facebook. Um, and what I guess some people are considering to be a fake news problem on Facebook. Uh, the idea of, quote, fake news is not a new one. Um, the Onion has been published for, it seems like, hundreds of years now, um, both in print and online. It's been around for a very long time, and it is fake news, though it is more distinguishable to the majority of people than other stuff. But the other stuff is not a new concept. The idea of you know deceptive advertising is so prevalent that we've talked the UK has a whole governmental division to investigate it. Um, no Man's Sky was an example of it. The idea of, of marketing in one way or another with deceptive practices is not new. And creating a blog is fairly easy to do. Publishing deceptive nonsense is easier than ever. The, the problem is when people read it and fall for it. Yes, that's the problem. There, you know, because people don't, people don't have common sense. Or critical thinking. People, or critical thinking. On the other hand, we, one of the things that we love about the internet, that we've loved about the internet, that about the web since it became a big thing in the, in the 90s is that it democratizes publishing. Mm -hmm. So you can't say, oh, wow, you should only trust, only trust, you know, the big mainstream media to tell you things. Right. Obviously, if it's on CNN, it has to be true. And if it's on Bob's blog, it has to be false. So, you know, who who decides? Um, but there are things out there that are obviously demonstrably false that are being and dangerously false that are, that have that have made it and people believe them with, you know, with with oh. sometimes quite serious consequences with 100 percent certainty where. Anybody with a fully functioning brain knows that Hillary Clinton isn't holding sex slaves hostage in a pizza parlor. You would think. You would think. But the environment we live in these days, there are a lot of people who believe this that kind of thing when they see it. Uh, Partially because they want to believe it. Yeah, that probably is true. They probably they don't, you know, if it aligns. I mean, there's a confirmation bias, right? So if it aligns with beliefs that they already have, uh, then they're willing to believe it. Sure. Um, 
but these things have real, you know, where it used to be kind of funny, like, oh, my God, I can't believe somebody believed that. You know, it's it's kind of, you know. In that case, somebody showed up with a gun to the pizza parlor. Somebody showed up with a gun. And and that's not the only time, and that won't be the only time, that, right. that somebody potentially gets really hurt because of, you know, because of fake news. And, of course, there's a debate about has any of this fake news actually affected people's choices in an election? And uh, if if you're who, under who the knows? same if you're under the same impression that you and I are that you know it's it tends to be people who want to believe it who believe no, obvious nonsense then probably so they probably not. weren't convinced other <laughs> yeah. they probably already thought that right right it was probably already you know but it might have it might have you know made them feel more strongly what they already felt who knows but but yeah you know it, it right so it, it it's scary because people don't have it's it's the line between truth and falsehood is blurrier than ever yeah um the line between like what's legit media and what's not is blurrier than ever mm -hmm. and i was reminded of something the other day um when I had to go to the supermarket for the first time in years, because I don't go to the supermarket. Usually my wife likes to go. I hate to go, but Got I had it. to go shopping for some stuff, and I went to the supermarket, and there on the checkout line were some tabloids. And when I was, uh, you know, younger, and the internet wasn't as big a thing, and fake news wasn't something that people were concerned about on the internet, you'd look at those, and you'd say, ah, People have got to know that that's wrong, that that's uh -huh. exaggerated and false, that tabloid on the checkout line, right? Uh-huh. Now, wow. that could very well be where people are getting their news. I mean, that, that probably looks even more legit than something on Facebook because somebody had to actually set up, you know, those are published by major companies that have to pay to print them. Yeah. And show up in a, in a very reputable place like your supermarket and that's so, and that's an interesting an interesting comment the idea that you know elvis is still alive was a, a cover page headline every week in something like uh the national Enquirer in your grocery store in a place where everybody except avram goes <laughs> yeah and and sees them now you know the national Enquirer has changed to what the kardashians are doing which i think is they're, they're, just as listen, brainless listen, but not whatever to get too, not to get too into it but when i was on the line they had the Enquirer, and the Enquirer had some very uh very juicy uh political headlines that seemed kind of demonstrably false uh so and so the question is why is Facebook so to get back to the to the topic at hand here, why does the world feel like Facebook should be responsible for telling people that something like the Pope endorsing Trump is silly and your local grocery store doesn't have that same responsibility? Yeah, that's sort of what I was thinking when I mentioned it. It's like uh, you know, I, so I, I kind of like as a publisher, I kind of feel I kind of feel a little bit for Facebook in, in this. 
on the other hand, the consequences of people getting this stuff and imbibing it is dangerous. So if they have the chance to prevent it, uh, I can understand that. On the other hand, I understand Facebook's point of view. Do we really want to be in the business of arbitrating what's true and false? Right. Like it's such a – it's like a, in some respect an epistemological question. Like who – I mean some of these things seem so out there like, you know, like the Pizzagate thing. Right. So out there. Uh, although in, in our – in this day and age, in this day and age, unfortunately, the line between – like truth between things that like, I think there used to be a line where everybody said like, look, people may have disagreements, disagreements about, um, you know, have disagreements about philosophically, like what should we do? What should the government do? Who is the best? Whatever. But I think it used to, we used to live in a society that had more agreement on the facts like here are the facts. Now let's disagree about what to do about them. Sure. But now we now we are having a situation where I don't think you have our our society is so polarized that you you can't get agreement on on facts. Right. On common facts a lot, and so you know places like Facebook that are presenting the news they don't want to be in the business of arbitrating, like. Because if they're in the business of arbitrating, then they're in the business of someone will see them as biased, and they don't want to, and they don't want to alienate any of their potential users. Yep. So they want to stay out of it. Like as a business, they don't want to say like, "Listen, we, you know, we don't want to say that such and such is or isn't true because because then then we're going to alienate some of our readers who who don't necessarily agree with us, even right. though." In theory, facts should be facts, and it is demonstrably true that there was not a sex slave operation going out of that pizza parlor. Right. It's demonstrably true. It's a fact, you know. But as a as a principle, I think I think it's it's hard for someone like a Facebook uh, or another social media uh, network to 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 make that judgment call. Right. And, and they have agreed they don't exactly want to be in that space, but they have kind of been bullied into it. So here's what they're going to do. They are just like if you find a post to be offensive, you can mark it as such. Or spam or you believe a profile is false. You have the ability to say, I think there's something wrong with this. And it will be pushed through a third-party fact-checking ring, not just one fact-checking organization, but a, a collection of them at a certain point. Obviously, I can't go into a CNN story and mark it as, as false news, and it's just going to go through this ring automatically. Obviously, there's a certain point where it will. Um, and they are bringing in somebody a title... Uh, Head of news, that is going to be the person's title. We don't necessarily know who that person will be, but the title is head of news, which seems a little silly to me, but whatever. Um, and they will be responsible for building the team who will decide when it's time to push it through the ring and all of that. So um, 
they are not taking the responsibility in on themselves, which I think is a very smart move. They are using a collection of third parties. Um, it will get them as close to not being involved from a uh, political consumer standpoint as they can they can be without the continued bullying that they have been receiving from uh, everybody. So. I can't feel, you know, I feel for them, I understand their philosophy, but I also understand why people want them to take a role because uh, by doing nothing, they've done something, you know? So that's, I think. But you should should also be your own fact checker. That's that's me. I I can't scroll through my Facebook feed and just read a headline and go, well, that must be true. Cause unfortunately there are a lot of people who do, and that's the problem. The problem is, is a lot of people who have extreme confirmation bias, something kind of jives with what they'd like to believe mm-hmm. or conversely, they just don't, they're just very gullible and mm-hmm. it's coming from their friends. The question here is, could Facebook maybe get out of this news business altogether? Like, they can't stop people from sharing things, but their trending topics and things like that that they show people. Sure. Maybe they stop. Maybe they can just stop. I don't know. I mean, obviously, it's good for them. It, it, it increases engagement. But well, it'll be yeah. interesting to see how they implement this. Uh, obviously, it's not an overnight type thing. They've got to hire people and they've got to put the ring together and they've got you know they've got all kinds of things they've got to put together. Um, so it's not an overnight thing. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see how it's implemented. Are they just going to pull posts? Are they going to put a red ring around them? You know, wh- how are they going to deal with this? It'll be, it'll be interesting to see. I vote for Comic Sans. There you go. I think anything that's fake news should be should be presented with Comic Sans font. I'm I'm on board with that. That it makes it very clear that uh, nobody is taking it seriously. This week's DRM not included on F5 Live is proudly powered by Groove Music. All the music you love. Play ad-free music from one of the largest catalogs on the planet. You can listen basically anywhere you are. PC, tablet, Xbox, web, smartphone, doesn't matter whether it's Android, iPhone, or Windows. You can create playlists and custom radio stations. I still miss the smart DJ name, but it is what it is. Uh, So... All of that through streaming, plus you can download all the music you need um, on up to three devices. So when you're in one of those places where you just can't stream, you don't have internet, your reception sucks, um, or you're just trying to prevent uh, data usage on your limited smartphone plan, you can download your music ahead of time uh, on up to three devices. And right now you can get a free 30-day trial by going to f5live.tv slash groove. So, uh, speaking of streaming, let's talk about uh, movie theaters. (laughs) (laughs) And we're going to work streaming into it here in a second. 
So the idea of live content is obviously growing for those of you who are watching the show live, right? Um, there's services, Facebook Live, we were talking about during the Pilch Point. There's Periscope. There's all kinds of different ways to watch live content. The major broadcasters have gotten back into uh there are certain things that have been live, like the news, but are getting back into live actual content. NBC did Hairspray Live. Uh, Fox did Grease. Uh, the idea of live entertainment, I suppose, uh, is, is becoming more of a thing. And so taking that idea to possibly the logical extreme or possibly the illogical extreme is Woody Harrelson. Which, like I said, it's possibly the illogical extreme. Um, he has an idea that he's going to do a live movie. Now, what does that mean? Good question. Because what's the difference between a live movie and what, um, what NBC and Fox did with their live stage shows over television? Uh, I guess the difference is scale. This this film, or whatever you want to call it, is called Lost in London. It will be live-streamed to theaters nationwide using the same system that, um, that Rift Tracks Live uses to broadcast to movie theaters. Give or take, it'll be the same theater collection because it's still being broadcast uh, with Fathom Live or Fathom events, and um, so here's the idea. Woody Harrelson was arrested uh, in 2002 in London, and this will kind of tell that story. I don't know if that's exciting enough, but whatever. There will be uh, a cast of 30, and it will be from 14 locations, which I think is the scale aspect versus like Hairspray Live, which took place entirely in the back lot of Universal Hollywood. This is going to be broadcast from 14 locations, which seems like a logistics question. Maybe that's just me. Oh, they may just be 14 blocks that are close together. I don't know. Um, so it's interesting but is it a good idea? That brings us back to the CES thing, right? It's interesting, which is why I'm talking about it. But is it a good idea? Is it something that anybody cares about? You know, here's the interesting question. Here's a question for me. Why does it have to be – what's the benefit of it being live? Sure. And what's, that's often – What's the, the benefit to the, to the uh, viewer? Of it being live. That's often the question when it comes to live entertainment. There's the idea that it's a, a one-off that can and will never exist again. And there's a particular emotional excitement that goes along with that. It's it's why, you know, Hairspray and Grease and The Wiz and Broadway, it, it's the reason why those types of things exist. There's a there's an interesting emotional thing. There's also the idea of uh, will they screw up big somewhere? You know, Schadenfreude yeah. factors in somewhere. <laughs> it makes more sense. Is his thing is so? Is his thing going to be a musical or not? No, no. See, the thing is, as a musical, 
we're used to going to the actual theater mm-hmm. and seeing people who are actually in the same room with us perform in a play in in a player or musical theater or sure. non-musical theater mm-hmm. and that makes perfect sense because you get like you get a sense of like there's something about being there yeah you know there's something about being there in the same room what you know you're not getting a camera angle you're getting your angle which may be imperfect and not as close up as the camera angle but it's your angle your seat you know there's something about that that's meaningful mm-hmm. right uh and and about live theater i think and you the, know. and the television translation of that same thing has has a lot of that that same because it's it's still the same production it's still live it doesn't lose what movie translations of stage shows often lose in trying to make them feel like a movie it still feels like you're in the theater you're still watching a play yeah i think they could you know this is getting a little a field but i think they're trying to do that and i think they could do better sure you know like i really liked my wife and i watched the whiz one mm-hmm. for example and we we love the whiz you know so uh although i think the whiz movie was better but anyway i think it would have had more, for example, if they had had a live studio audience and they didn't, so you didn't have as much of a feel of being in a theater. Got but it. still, you could tell that it was being done as a theatrical production. They didn't have any special effects or any cuts. Yeah, and there uh, th- there was the the danger of live theater. All the things that normally come with the danger of live theater were still there. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So so there's something to it. I think they could have done better, even sure. still. And, by having a real live studio audience and, and such. And they're getting better because uh, Hairspray Live had uh, two different live audiences uh, involved. You know. Now, on the flip side, I was very sad that they didn't do Rocky Horror as a live live well, event. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but, uh, but to digress, Woody Harrelson doing a movie like this sounds like such a bad idea. Um <laughs> First of all, look, uh, he was fine in Cheers and some other things, Kingpin. But, but <laughs> I mean, it's not going to get a lot of people running to the movies to see uh, Woody Harrelson live. Is he going to do like a one-man uh, – no, it's 30-person. Uh, is, it, is it a Cheers reunion? Is it a sequel to Natural Born Killers? It's got then Owen Wilson. Anybody cares? It's got Sorry. Owen Wilson and Willie Nelson in it. It's got Willie Nelson in it. Yep. Oh, great! So actually, what's going to happen is they're just going to they're going to smoke pot together or something. Yeah, right? I was going to say, that, is that going to be? The I was going to say we're not going to be we're not going to be able to see the scene through the haze. <laughs> I mean, what's? I mean, I don't know. This sounds like a real vanity project to uh-huh. me. Yeah. Like, I'm I'm all for like having a live event that's meaningful. Yeah, uh, but this doesn't sound like it. I I totally agree, and like I said, it it kind of brings us back to the CES topic of interesting, but not necessarily a good idea. Interesting would be if it pushed the envelope in some in some actual way. Like I don't know, fourteen locations. That's great, but again, I I don't see like as a viewer what this is how that's meaningful to me. Like I agree. If you did something where, like, 
this is something we just don't see, right? Like, when is somebody going to come out with more entertainment where I actually get to pick my point of view? Like, that would be more interesting to me. Like, sure. okay, I'm going to be showing a story and, like, you get to pick which camera you're watching it from or you get to pick, like, you can see it from this vantage point or that vantage point or, you know, like, you as a viewer get some control over what you're seeing. That would that would bring it some some type of cred, but like, okay, so you're taking something that you could have filmed offline and you're broadcasting it to me online and hey, we're actually don't haven't given you any kind of compelling reason to watch. Uh-huh. Yeah, I, I can't I can't see it. Well but good for them for trying, I guess. I, I mean guess. if someone were to try it with something where the concept were actually like interesting there might be something to it who knows well for those of you who are intrigued by this seemingly vanity project uh it'll be in 550 theaters uh nationwide on january 19th and uh as i said earlier you can uh find out where those are through fathom events the same way that rift tracks live is done um i can tell you I'm not interested. I won't be going. I will be waiting to hear what other people have to say about it on January 20th. Also, <laughs> I mean, presumably it's going to cost at least as much as going to a regular movie, right? Oh, the Fathom events gonna... are usually a lot more. All right, so it's actually more money than going to a regular movie. Well... I, I don't know what it costs. I know in some places going to movies is a lot cheaper than it is here in New York State. Going to the movies is expensive here. It's like to see a non-3D movie is like $14, $13, $14. Yeah. So you're going to tell me that I'm going to go and probably not just by myself, probably go to people at least to go see this this thing. I don't know what I'm getting for $28. No way. <laughs> no way. I mean, I, I, I'm i not going to see a movie unless I know it's going to be really worth it. I mean, it's expensive. Um, hmm. Trying right now to purchase tickets or at least get to that point. But I don't know that I can. Oh, I see. I haven't done a Fathom event in a while because, you know, my interaction is different. All right. So for a ticket here in Pinellas County, it's 1926 for the ticket plus a buck 35 premium charge for who knows what. Because I, I couldn't tell you. Um, so... It's going to cost you $22 a ticket here. Holy cow. Buy a box season of Cheers or something. Right? And that's just for one ticket. We're that's not even crazy. we're not even talking, you know, taking somebody and movies are no fun in general by yourself, let alone you know something like this that's a live event trying to watch it. 
by yourself. Yeah, plus, you're gonna get, plus, if you have kids, you're going to get a babysitter. Oh, man, no. Nobody's nobody's going to this. Nobody's going to this. And I will tell you, just, just a normal ticket at the same theater with all of the additional fees is $14. Yeah. So, so wait. So you're going to have a choice. What should I go see? Should I go see... Rogue One for fourteen dollars. For fourteen dollars, or go see some wackadoodle thing with the guy from Cheers for twenty one. For twenty one dollars, <laughs> that if something Not. goes wrong, the the whole thing is going to be a disaster. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I can't. I can't imagine it. Now I'm going to push on you a theory that I've had for many years, which okay. is that movie theaters should should charge different amounts for different movies. They shouldn't charge you the same thing to see every movie. Like uh, certain movies, you know, everybody wants to see them. They cost a lot to make. You know, you're getting something for your money when you go see like, you know, like it or not. When you go see Star Wars, you're going to see like a $200 million movie that you just couldn't, that looks great on the big screen. When you go to see, you know, when you go to see uh, Freddy Got Fingered, that should be free with commercials, you know? (laughs) So like, so like this movie, this Woody Harrelson thing, they should pay you. Oh my goodness! So they you're, should pay you to see it. So surge pricing is what we're saying. Yeah, yeah. Sh- but sometimes it's worth it. Like certain movies are not worth the fourteen dollars. Sorry, That's for sure. and others are like that movie's so good. You know, even though I would, even though I think fourteen dollars is a lot, you'd have me at like twenty dollars to go see a Star Wars. Sure, you, you would. You know, but but to but even if it's like a good movie to go see like my big fat Greek wedding two or something, I'm sorry. Nobody's exploding. There's no spaceships. It shouldn't cost $14 Nobody. to see people talking should be no more than $5. Nobody's exploding. If there's no explosions, decapitations or laser guns, it should be, it should not be more than $10. I was going to say 10 that minus. Is my, yeah. That is my, that is my rule. I think I can, I think I can support that, and I love the idea that this one should be a negative price. <laughs> so it's like, you know, and for the good of the movie theater, too, like, if they're going to charge this much money for people to get in this, no one's going to go see it. They're wasting their theater space. Yeah, that's true. Like, they should, it should be, like, free, and they hope to make money on the popcorn. Fair enough. But I can't imagine Fathom getting behind that. No, but I'm just, I'm just saying. Yeah. That is our show. Uh, thank you to our live viewers for joining us uh, this evening for what is our last show of 2016. I know we went a little over and we got started a little late, but, you know, it's 2016. It's all what we expected to have happen. Anyway, uh, so we have two Sundays off as a reminder. Two Sundays off, and then uh, we will be back on a Monday night for our next show. Again, we don't know exactly what time that will be, but it will be on the second, and it will likely be uh, like it's live staff kind of switching in and out uh, on the show, similar to how we did something else. Oh, you know what? It was CES last year. <laughs> so similar to how we did the pre-show last year is probably how this will go. Um, 
We'll have some of our new staff members on. And it'll be a lot of fun. Uh, so definitely follow the Plug Hits Live and F5 Live Facebooks and, of course, the Laptop Mag and Tom's Guide Facebooks to get notifications about when any of us go live uh, during that time. Because you never know when we will be broadcasting and what kind of interesting and fun stuff we will be uh, bringing on live. So definitely turn on notifications. You will not uh, want to miss this kind of stuff. So with that, I suppose, on behalf of the staff that's not here, I'm Scott. I'm Ava. And have a happy holiday, whatever holidays you may or may not be celebrating. Have a good new year. And we will see you back right after the first. Ciao.